Love Talk Radio. Granny Hawkster and Big Swing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Episode number 125 since the name change. It's really episode 300 and some change, but ever since we changed the name over, it is 125, and it is the final show before everyone's favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. You know, when we celebrate, when we raped and pillaged and took the land from the natives, you know, that, that great holiday that we celebrate every year. And uh, Icon, Granny, you guys have had a pretty big week. Obviously, the bison have been rolling along. My Cowboys lost, but it was New England. We expected that. Uh, Granny, you met somebody, you were saying off the air, um, you met somebody uh, who's, who's pretty important who wants to be on our show. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, yes. Hello, guys. Uh, good evening, everybody. Yeah, Granny's doing a little multitasking here tonight. I'm putting together my Moose Lodge bulletins while I'm on the show tonight with you all. But oh, Saturday yeah. night, I had the opportunity to meet a young lady who is fairly new to the wrestling business. But I tell you, I would not want to make her mad, folks. Her name is Miranda Gordy. Now, that name may sound familiar to some of you, and some of you it may not. But she is the daughter of Perry Bam Bam Gordy, who was part of the fabulous Freebirds for many years. And she told me Saturday night that she would love to be on our podcast. So, Icon, I admire you for all the guests that you get. But Granny, once in a while, can throw in a surprise now and then, too, and step up and get some great people, too, which I'm glad to do that for our show. Well, yeah, I, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I'm happy for that as well, you know. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we love everything that uh, we all do together. We all, we all have a great cohesive show here. And, uh, you know, compared to uh, uh, that 
slack ass show up in Winnipeg. Uh, you know, oh, you he's just got to get the barbs in. Every week, he's just. You know he's what? Just gotta you know what? <laughs> hey, big swing. You know, we are so we are so much better than that. We don't need to continue to talk to talk about that particular show because you know we need to give the fans we're trying to give the fans what they want to hear and hopefully we can do that well it's free publicity well, honestly of, uh, and we don't want to give them any free publicity well you know no, speaking of what no. our fans want to hear uh our first guest should be on uh, uh today's going to be kind of a fast-paced show because uh we're, we're going to be the Maury Pulpit your podcast, as they say. Oh, Jesus. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, like Darth Vader, he's one of the first uh, guys to ever admit that he was the father. So hopefully tonight this will be number two. Uh, so we'll see yeah. what happens there. Um, now, Icon, before I put this guest on, um, I, I don't know. This could turn into – yeah, this could turn into Steve Wilkos or Jerry Springer really quick, uh, which honestly, which which honestly is awesome. Like, I mean, radio radio needs you know needs different different things, and and there's something that I say every week. It's called Radio Gold, and every single week for the last however many weeks now, uh, these guys have been providing us with that quote-unquote radio gold. So uh, I'm actually very excited. I'm um, very, very excited to get them on and, uh, and hash this whole thing out and, uh, and, and have one of, I would say, the hottest storylines in the business right now on our show, much better than anything that uh, that other company over there, WWE, is doing, um, much better than that, than that stupid Lana and Rusev and Bobby Lashley storyline that we got going on right now. So... Uh, yeah, uh, Icon. I I have all three. All three have called in. The intern. The intern's telling me that uh, there's three numbers on the line right now. Do you want to go uh, one at a time here? You want to put all three on and just have mass chaos, or or what do you want to do? Well, I'll tell you what. Let me get the let me get the area codes of who should be on first. Okay. Well, I have two. Because uh, you know, two of them are a package deal. So I have. I have two. I have two six two six, and I have an eight one eight. And, and I I already know who they all are, but I'm just wondering which ones you want me to put forward first. All right. Well, the uh, well the the two numbers the same should be uh, who we go with first, and then the other we'll okay. just have to hold uh, until we're ready to uh, go to them. Um, I don't know, and uh, you know they'll just have to they'll just have to hold online, I guess. Huh. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's uh, let's do that, and uh, we will go from there. So the first one who's been on hold with us since before the the air even happened, since you know he was listening to us bitch and complain off the air for a little while as well, because uh, he called in early. So I'm gonna put the first one on the most charismatic figure in the business. Oh wait a minute, we have an 801 on the line as well. Oh, things are things are picking up here. Okay. Uh, or, or as Jr. used to say, business is picking up. Um, we have the first one, and I think I know who this is. All right. Well, Call let me introduce him, then we'll uh, then we'll go to him. Right? Ready? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, we have 
independent tag team goal joining us, ladies and gentlemen. And we have no idea where this is going to lead in the next hour, but we will find out. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the profilers. Oh, hello. Yeah, I, I put both 626 numbers on. We got them both on with us? That's right. I'm here, my man. There it is. Hey, this is Otto Von Clutch. Oh, yeah. Otto Von Clutch. I'm assuming I, you I have a... Uh, and Maverick, we, we where's Maverick Goose? at? Maverick's an 818 number. Oh, Maverick's the 818. Okay, because yes, I have sir. another 622. Okay, because I have well, another 626. We got people calling in, my brother. Woo! Okay, hang on a second. I got another 626, so I'll mute the other 626. Yes, right. It's, it's Maverick, okay. 818. Is this Maverick? What's up? Can you guys All right, it? let's do this again from the top. Hey, this okay. is Otto Von Clutch. And my name is Maverick, and I am greatness. You are listening to the Attitude Era Live. With the host, the icon, the big swing and granny hoaxer. That's right. What's up, guys? How y'all doing tonight? So we got Goose and Maverick from Top Gun, ladies and gentlemen. Goose and Maverick from Top Gun are here with us. And, uh, yeah, it's a fun time. It's good stuff. Um, Iceman. It's good to have you guys, but uh, before we go into this, I need you guys to tell, give us a little background about you as a tag team, and then we're going to ask you some questions about... We did that already. There, we already know about them as a tag team. Maverick, I'm going to let you lead the way on this one. All right, all right, all right. We met, we met years ago, like when we were kids, you know. I don't even know what... Otto, how old were we when we met? I, I about 13 know. years old, but, Ridgecrest. Yeah. We broke, we, broke each, we broke into the business together. We've been brothers ever since... He was a kid since ever since both of us were kids. We we found Broke a into school houses together. called Knox Pro, Knox Pro Academy, trained by uh, and we got trained by WWE Hall of Famer Junior Rikishi, spot two, and never, uh, trained future ma- Hall of Famer. Never trained before I did for uh, multiple years. I think he was in the business about eight years before I even got into it, and then I've been in the business now for about six. And uh, you know, me and Maverick, we've been a tag team ever since we got into since I got into the business, and it's just been, you know, at first it when we really butted heads in, at the beginning, but uh, you know, we just we've grown into this brotherhood. Like, you know, I've known him for many years now, and it's just like the relationship me and Maverick have in the ring is just it's unparalleled. So I I, I suggest to any tag team out there if they want to test us, ha, you do not touch the automatic danger zone, bruh. That's so right, bring it. The profilers is, were ready. So my question to you guys is, since, you know, you've been together and you guys are a cohesive unit, obviously, where do you guys see yourselves in, say, the next uh, – well, let's, let's make it easy. Where do you guys see yourselves in the next year uh, as far as uh, jumping, possibly jumping up to the big leagues, either within the year 
or within the next couple of years? Where do you guys see yourself doing that? Or do you I'll do, I'll do a quick 30 seconds on that. Um, I really believe that me and Maverick in the next year, you could see us anywhere from New Japan to AEW to NXT to WWE. I feel like uh, we are kind of like this little gym that's out there, a little hidden gym. And the wrestling world is better be ready because they have no idea. The goosebumps are running through my body, everyone, as I tell you all this. They have no idea what's about to hit them. I mean, we were trained by the best. And let me tell you what, we are street smart, we are ring smart, and I tell you what, there is no league. I feel like wrestling right now, there are so many amazing companies from House of Hardcore to, um, you know, NXT to, you know, uh, MLW. There's just yeah. so many options right now that it's hard to say when you get to the major leagues. Because right now, I feel like we are doing it, baby. And you know what, I'm going to let Maverick uh, chime in on that real quick. Yeah, 100%. We are ready to put in the work. We're not we're not in the wrestling business to play games. You know, it's a shoot for us. We're here to put in the work and make it to the top, wherever the top may be. It may be WWE, it may be AEW. It doesn't really matter to us. We want to be on top, and that's our goal. Hopefully within a we- year we can reach and accomplish that goal, but we'll see. We're, we're going to ride the wave, as Otto says all the time, and see where it takes us. So that brings me to our next question. Let's say, and I probably already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Let's say that someone from, like, AEW or NXT or official from the WWE sees you guys at a show that you're doing, and they they want to contact you and offer you a million-dollar contract. Now it's a two-part question. Is that something you guys would want to do? And if you guys do get that big opportunity, because we know you have the drive to do so, are you not going to big time us still be my friend and still talk to us? Hey, let's be honest, big. Uh, let's be honest, Icon. Uh, two episodes, you asked me that question. The people hear that already. I hate to just to be a bad guy on you, brah. But let's, let me tell you what. The officials, they see us. They know who we are. Because let me tell you what. When we get in that ring, there is no one that could stop us. When we get in the back and cut a promo, there's no one in this business that can cut a promo like Otto Von Clutch. Let's be real with it. But to be honest with you, heck no, I'm not going to freaking big time you guys. I love you guys. Granny Holster, Big Swing, the Icon. Come on, man. We are trained. We are humble. There's no way that I'm going to big time anyone because that's just not in my nature. And I don't believe that's in Maverick's nature either. Hell, I know yeah, that's not in Maverick's that a little nature. Bit as well. I want to tap onto that a little bit as well. Yeah, you we're start. not raised like that. There, there's no superstar here, first of all. Mm-hmm. And second of all, Icon... Granny Hoaxer, we love you guys. The big swing, we might big man you a little bit. That's <laughs> <laughs> what's up. I, I hear well, you there. I mean, here, here's the, here's I, understand the, that, I understand that, you know, uh, sometimes people don't don't always react well in the presence of greatness. Um, and the fact is that, you know, some people just can't handle it. You know, I, that's what it is. Like, what can I say? And, you know, here, here's the one thing, guys. Uh, what you guys just said, of course, has been recorded, and I have attorneys. No, I'm kidding. Well, I, I do have attorneys. So what we can <laughs> you also have restraining orders. So, yeah, right. I have a lot of restraining orders, too, again. I bet we'll, we'll talk about that in another show. Yeah, uh, we might talk about it later on. on. So yeah, here, right. Well, Otto Von Clutch might need time. one, depending on the results of this test. But anyway, continue. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's go around the room here. Uh, Granny, what do you got for our guests, the profilers? What do you got? Well, guys, uh, 
what has been your most memorable match you all have done in your career? I'm going to have to say Rey Mysterio versus a very talented man, El Presidente. He's another hidden gem that's been out there. And let me tell you what, when you guys see El Presidente, he's a man that's also not to be reckoned with. But I'd have to say that was at WrestleFair 2016. Maverick will tap onto that story, but I, we'll see what he says. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was an amazing day. Definitely a learning experience and uh, one of the best matches, you know, I feel like. I feel like it was a really good night. Let me. There's a story that comes with this, so so let me tap this onto you guys. So so it's an event. It's WrestleFair 2016. The uh, show is it's a Sunday. It's scheduled to be over at five o'clock, right? Rey Mysterio is wow. supposed to be there to sign autographs and maybe wrestle uh, against myself and uh, Otto Von Clutch in a tag, and his tag partner was going to be El Presidente. So his plane gets canceled. The day oh, of the oh, wow. show, he's, suppo- he's supposed to fly in. So the, his plane gets canceled. So he has to fly from Mexico across the border, take a charter plane across the border, and then takes a, a private car from Texas all the way to the venue. Uh, the venue was in uh, – where, where was that, Otto? It was in Paris, California. Paris, California. So he drives all the way from just north of Mexico to Paris, California. So the venue, it, it's, it's what, 9, 10 o'clock, and me and Otto are standing in the ring cutting promos. And We're cutting a promo about for about 30 minutes. Yeah, about ready to tear our head off because they want to see Rey Mysterio so badly, you know? And we haven't seen Rey Mysterio, haven't heard from Rey Mysterio, and all of a sudden his music hits. And oh, the crowd wow. just goes crazy. The crowd yeah, just we, goes crazy. I mean, these guys, this crowd, they were ready to throw chairs. They were already throwing stuff at us in the ring, you know? They, they were about to riot in that place. Go ahead and finish what, the story what you guys, off, NWO? What was that? What do you guys, the NWO, throw, them throwing stuff at you? No, man, we were there. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, he was, you know, the event was supposed to be over at 5 o'clock. He was, uh, had a show the night before. So it was a, it was a, everything got canceled for him, but he still made it to the show. It was literally 11:30. How Maverick said, we had no time to ever, you know, even see the guy and like size him up and kind of size our opponent up. No, there was none of that. We're literally in a, in the ring cutting a promo for about 30, 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes, and then all of a sudden, buaka buaka, and it's like holy shit, here it comes, man. And it was just like the place we were. It was just. Everyone was going crazy. It was the loudest I ever heard it, and it was outdoors. So, I mean, the guy's a true mm. talent. He's, you know, he obviously is one of the best of all time. So to be able to be in the ring with someone like that was very humbling and uh, really owe it all to Knox Pro Entertainment, Knox Pro Academy, for giving us that opportunity to do that because without them, that opportunity would have never happened. They could have gave that to, you know, a whole – there's so many talented guys at that academy. They could have gave that to anyone, and to be able to have – that opportunity to wrestle Rey Mysterio and El Presidente was unbelievable. And it, and it was a great learning. It was a great learning experience as well because that just shows the professionalism of Rey Mysterio. Uh, when they canceled his first flight, he easily could have said, "Guys, I can't make it." But he didn't do that. He made. He did whatever it took to to show up to the event that he was scheduled to be at. So uh, props to that guy. You know, I mean, he was probably just as. What I don't get. What I don't get. I know, and I know we do have people waiting on the line as well, Icon. So I do want to bring everybody on so they're not sitting here listening to hold music. But um, 
Doesn't California border Mexico also? He couldn't have gotten a flight that got him closer to the California border. He had to well, go no, halfway was, across the uh, country and drive. Big swing. I think Maverick got that a little twisted. He wasn't in Texas. He was down, like down in Baja or somewhere deep, not deep, but deep, more southern, southern Mexico. And then it, whatever got canceled, but he was able to get a charter plane to like San Diego or whatever, or to the Tijuana. He flew into Tijuana, then from Tijuana took a taxi to the border, from the border, hop border oh, okay. his wife or whatever was there to pick him up. And the, he I don't actually know, he explained just, it in a YouTube we, video too. We have the profilers with guests here. We got about uh, 10 minutes left with the profilers. If there's an 801 number, keep them on hold and for 10 minutes because they're, they're our next guest. So when you get an 801 Well, they've been number, on for 12. Um, well, here's well, what I got, Icon. I, I just talked to the intern. I have another 626. I, I have. I actually, I have two more. We've been putting out numbers. We've been letting people know they can call in. So probably people want to call in, I'm guessing, okay. Big Swing. Yeah, so, let's answer some hold- questions. All right. Yeah. Fine. Just wait a sec. So the 801 number, you wait on till their their scheduled time is 8:30. 801. That's yet. that's Salt Lake City. That's that's the Utah area code. You better not tell me that Tombstone's coming on tonight. Well, we'll see what happens. All right, oh let's, my gosh. Uh, bring a, I'm not let's, exactly let's, let's sure. First, uh, let, let's bring our first caller on. Go ahead, caller. What do you got? Well, I have the 626 that's been on for about 12 minutes. So 626. What's up? Hello. Are you there? 626, what's going on? This is Otto Von Clutch and Maverick. Aloha. Aloha. It's the Royal Hawaii. It's the Royal Hawaii from Glow. It's the Royal How's it going, you guys? Oh, what's What's going on, honey? How are you doing, beautiful? I'm doing good. I just wanted to let you guys know that I was listening to you guys and wanted to support you. This is the glow champion from glow wrestling and i'm here to support the profilers and of course i manage auto one clutch and we'll be together on december 7th in salt lake city at the gateway so thanks I for having me i like hearing them yeah man we, we we love you april thank you so much Rojo hawaiian it's, yeah, great to, it's great to have you on you're welcome the Royal Hawaiian, guys. ladies and gentlemen, first first yeah, time on thanks. our airwaves, at least, uh, and, nice. and always always glad to hear first time caller. We have another six two six, and we'll leave the Hawaiian on for a little bit here, just while I do the other six two six. Because I'm assuming that was a on clutch uh, recruit six two six. The other one, what's up? Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Hey, Hello. how are you? Good. I just have a question for both of the folks. Profilers, if you could wrestle anybody in WWE right now, who would it be? I'll let you take this one, Otto. Maverick, you go ahead. All right, all right. Well, singles match, I would have to say I would love to wrestle Randy Orton. In a tag, I I say the Usos. It'd be awesome to work the Usos in a tag. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. The Profilers versus the Usos. And, what do you and think, I, Otto? I would have to say uh, heavy machinery, and then I would have to say for singles would have to be Undertaker because he is still currently on the roster. I, I, I imagine so. I would have to say Undertaker on that. Yeah, they, they, they're going to put together another shabby WrestleMania match for him uh, this year, I'd imagine as well. So, okay, cool. Um, well, yeah, heavy machinery so is one of my favorites. Thank and you. Thank you for calling. Yeah. Um, 
good choices, I would say. I would say, um, for me, I would choose Sasha Banks or Charlotte Flair. Wow. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. That's so you're awesome. going to be an well, aspiring professional wrestler. You my know? goodness. Well, you, guys, well, you guys have a guest of all ages, it sounds like, listening, and I love that. So uh, definitely thank you for calling in. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. definitely kid-friendly. <laughs> Caller, how old are you, by the way? I'm eight and a half. Nice. Oh, I love nice. that. Awesome. Excellent. That is completely so, well, awesome. Well, well, it's probably past your bedtime, so you probably got to go to bed. Yeah, but I don't think they have school this week because of the holidays. I don't have school for the Oh my goodness. Guys, it's Thanksgiving vacation for these kids. And you know what? This is Granny Hulkster. And I I would love to say hello to this sweet little caller that just called in because you know how much Granny loves her kids at wrestling shows. Sweetheart, I think you're absolutely amazing. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. And thank you for that. Um, Nice thing that you said to me, and I'll, I'll probably call you next time. If um, the well, we would love it, sweetheart. Yeah, we're here every Monday, same time, same place. Um, and uh, and yeah, and feel free to keep listening. I uh, it's gonna get pretty intense tonight, so feel free to uh, <laughs> sure stay on the line and and listen. I don't know if it's gonna be really appropriate for an eight and a half That's year old, but hey, you know, you gotta learn sometime. So, but yeah, so thank you for the call there. And we're going to, we're going to cut that. And, and, you know, I kind I wasn't exactly sure a hundred percent, um, you know, who that was to begin with, because I, I was, I was very, very sure at first that that was like a voice synthesizer thing and that we were going to get the toilet flush, but we didn't, it was actually wow. a legitimate caller. So because uh, Otto, just to give you a quick uh, a quick take here, we've had a, a prank caller who I I love. I think it's great because you know that whole Radio Gold thing, and I'm really the only one here who actually works in radio as a profession, so I know what Radio Gold is. Um, the but but there's a caller who calls in. He says something stupid with like a with like a fake voice, and then he flushes the toilet, and it it, it really gets under icon's skin he really hates it and that's what i thought was coming and then and then and then when i realized Probably it was actually guy. actually a young caller well it could have been but they didn't flush the toilet and if they did i, I if they did i i cut them off before that but uh, way, hey maybe it really was an eight and a half year old girl who called in and that's great if that is the case then we thank you for listening i think it was uh, and, and we hope that the remainder of this show doesn't get you in trouble um, but anyway, it's like the modern so, day uh, Bart Simpson. It reminds me, you know, when they always calling Mo and messing with Mo, but now like this little girl is trying to just like make amends with you guys. It sounds like. Yeah, it seems like it. Or, yeah. or, or that guy yeah. from Winnipeg keeps messing with you. Hey, you yeah, know what? Guy. Who wants to drive four hours to Winnipeg from freaking North Dakota? Not me. No, no. Well, who wants to drive to North Dakota anyway? Sorry. So I'm I'm uh I'm out here I'm out here. Uh, see, I'm in New York, so I'm a long way away from either of these two. Um, but right, now, I'm uh, from Arkansas. Arkansas. Why don't we? Yes. Why don't we get focused on what we're doing here? <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it. Straight to the point. How about Let's the next caller? It. Is there another caller on the line? Now, uh, yes, why don't is. we circle back to me so yes, I can right. circle continue back to the you. show and we'll go back to what we're doing and what we're supposed to be okay. doing. What are we supposed to be doing? All right. Now, since 
we're going to, since we derailed here a little bit, and we're going to get arrested for causing the delinquency of minors, I want to thank you oh, guys geez. for that. No problem. Now, let's just go back. We have the profilers on with us. We have three minutes left with them. Our next guest is on hold already, so we're going to bring them 20 on minutes three now. minutes. 20 minutes. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what. I think it's awesome that we get we we, we get callers. That's that's really awesome, and we 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 love the kids around here. And what, you know what? If uh, if uh, the uh, the little gal can email the show uh, through uh, off the ropes on uh, Facebook, I'll send her a little Christmas present. Uh, I can uh, think of my little bag of tricks and send her an autograph uh, for calling in. So we'll uh, we'll brighten up for Christmas. Sounds good. Okay, so profiling. Now, you know, she asked uh, who you guys would like to face in the WWE. I have a suggestion for that, who I would like to have you guys face. Two-on-one. Let's hear it. Two-on-one. I'll put the bounty up. You guys take this guy out. I'll pay you 100 bucks, $50 each, because that's all I can afford. But... <laughs> I want you guys, when you get to the WWE, I want you to take out Kevin Owens for me. That snicking Canadian bastard, I want you guys to take him out for me. Kevin Owens, like, nice. I got Take him on a date or something? Or what do you mean, take him out? Like go out to get a steak dinner together on the on the house on you? Icon no, does, no, no. hey guys, Icon absolutely despises Kevin Owens. They want you to beat him. He, he wants you to beat them up, beat him up very badly. Yeah, Sounds you know, like he has a bromance. You know Von Clutch, you strike me as somebody who's always been good with the ladies. Um, you know how in in school the girl that would you know poke you in the ribs and put gum in your hair and make mm-hmm. fun of you and all that stuff and you know but she really secretly liked you she Absolutely. just was not showing it the right way it's the same same thing with Icon and Kevin Owens that's his favorite wrestler uh, on the roster but he wants to talk crap about him all the time because he really just is is it has a has a has a man crush on him um, it, it but like anyway he's just a little jealous that Kevin Owens is more talented than he is. Ah. But that's for another you episode. Ass kick tonight or what? How <laughs> <laughs> you gonna, you gonna do that in different time zones? <laughs> so, yeah, we are different time look, zones, actually. Guys, if I get upset enough, I will lash out. Trust me. <laughs> you know, I love. Just ask him how he feels about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, we're, I yeah, love Aaron. Like, we're gonna put a hold. We're gonna put the profiles on hold. Okay. Uh, we're going to bring okay. in our 801 guests. I'm going to introduce them, put them on, oh and then boy. we'll talk to them, and then we'll bring the profilers back. And uh, we got about 30 minutes to hash all this stuff out. So bring them on. I'll introduce them. Uh, okay. Let me go back to the screen here. Intern, the hell you got the other screen on for? Okay, there it goes. Mute the two of them and bring them on. Okay, good. Here it is. They're right. on. Eight, 818, or 801, rather. Ladies and gentlemen. Stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Tombstone, Jesus. Hey, can you hear me? We got you. Yeah, go ahead with the promo. Hey, this is Tombstone, Jesus, and you're listening to the Attitude Era live. 
with the whole the icon, big the big swing, and Granny Holster. How you guys doing? Good. We're doing uh, good. Doing good. Well, we got uh, Tombstone Jesus here. We got about twenty nine minutes here left with Tombstone, and uh, we we have a, a couple guys that really want to chat with you. But we're going to interview you first, and we'll bring them on, and then at ten o'clock. We're going to cut the thing off, and if we have to continue this on another show, we'll do that because I like this, but we'll, we'll go on. So, Tombstone Jesus, if you want to give us a little background about your career, then we'll interview you. Well, what do you want to know, brother? Well, just give us a little background about what you've, what you've done and what you're doing. Well, I've been a pro wrestling fan my whole life, and uh, – I'm a musician, and so about, oh, 11 years ago, I was playing up on the stage, and uh, there was a guy, his, his band opened up for me, in fact, and he was a really good guitarist, and he came up, and uh, he, he wanted to be in my band. I said, you bet, you're hired, and uh, he says, one other thing, I'm a pro wrestler. He says, nobody knows that I wear a mask. And I think you'd be good at it. And uh, that's how I got my opportunity. That's how I got my foot in the door in independent wrestling. And I pretty much never looked back. So, uh, yeah, I've been independent wrestling for about 10 years now. And I didn't get a start till I was 41 or 40. And uh, I'm getting ready to be turn about 50 here real soon. But... You see, I got AK-47 running through my blood, and uh, that's something I don't think Otto has. And something else about myself, I, I age in badass years. So, well, hey, um, years, um, I'm about 49 years old, but in badass years, uh, hell, I just got out of puberty. <laughs> so, Tombstone, and, quick uh, question here. And I've been wondering this all week, actually. I've been wondering this all week. If this happens to be, you know, you claim one thing, Otto claims another thing. If you are, if survey says you are the father, okay, does this mean we have to start calling him Otto Von Jesus? Hey, you know what? If he ends up being my son, then he might he might want to take that title on. Um, hey, you know, I'll take that title on. on. There's a chance that Otto could be my son. Um, but the more I listen to him whine and bitch, and uh, just the more I see of him, the more I I, I don't think he's mine. You know, okay. uh, Big Swing. That yes. was uh, that's the, the way I see it. If, if he can whoop my ass, if he can whoop my ass, then I'll take the test. You know, if he's my son, he should be able to beat my ass. You know, hell, I whooped my right. dad. It was somewhere between third and fourth grade. So, you know, nice. if Otto's my kid, he ought to be able to do it. Well, uh, Big Swing, thanks for derailing this uh, right off the bat. <laughs> I do appreciate that. That's what I do. Hey, follow the format, okay? Follow I don't the know format. the format. You made the format and didn't tell us what it was. I don't know what the format is. Anyway, <laughs> okay, continue. Now, hey, I've got I've got to wrestle with a lot of big names over the years. I've packed a lot of houses. If you come to Utah and you see some wrestling, you'll you'll know who Tombstone Jesus is. 
I got some of the biggest pops in independent wrestling. And uh, I got a huge following out here. And uh, Salt Lake City's where it's at, brother. You guys need to come so out and check the, out a show. So where does the, the name Tombstone Jesus come from? Well, you know, I was always a wrestling fan. And uh, back in the day, I'd always, I used to live up in the mountains, up by a ski resort. Uh, Robert Redford owned it. And there was a bar there, and I was kind of like the local. I used to drink a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I looked like Jesus had the big beard and whatnot. And every time I'd go in the bar, the the guy playing music would stop and he'd say, well, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus just entered the building. And when I'd leave, he'd stop and say, well, Jesus just left the building. And on uh, the meet. Cool. And well, one, day, uh, one day I was threatening to tombstone somebody in the bar. And somebody yelled out, Tombstone Jesus. And the rest is history. And for those of you who have never seen Tombstone Jesus, uh, some of the pictures I've seen, and I hope you don't, uh, you, you won't mind this comparison, but uh, he kind of looks like a uh, beefed-up version of Shawn Michaels in his body style. He reminds mm. me a lot of Shawn Michaels the way he looks. I've been told okay. I'm a male version of Shawn Michaels. Well, there we go. So, Icon, you're right on, right on point with your uh, comparison. <laughs> so, uh, now, when you wrestle, do you consider yourself to be a, a baby face, a heel, an in-between, um, or are you what the crowd decides you're going to be? I'm definitely a face. Uh, I'm a huge fan favorite. Sell, uh, sell a lot of merch that way, you know. And uh, I got my tombstoners. And uh, I live and die for those little guys and gals. Now, can I be a, can I be an honorary tombstoner? Absolutely. Hell, send me your address, and I'll send you out a hat or a shirt. Well, yeah, I'll, de- I'll definitely do that. Then maybe you can send us some autographs for a big December show giveaway. That would be awesome, too. Well, yeah, and then I can get a picture of you with my shirt, and we can see why you can show everyone why you got a face for radio. Well, no, no. Big Swing has got a face and body for radio. I have a face for <laughs> television. Oh, uh, right on. That's what I'm right, talking well, you know, about, me, brother. You know, me, me and Big Swing, we, we like to we like to give each other grief sometimes, and it's kind of fun. Sometimes. So, uh, it is kind of fun. Uh, we have, uh, yeah, we got the tombstone Jesus here. We got 23 minutes here. Uh, I'd say about 10 minutes before this thing really goes awry. But, uh, Granny, what do you got for our guest, Tombstone Jesus? Well, hello, Tombstone. This is Granny. And, and Granny is a, a fan favorite in the crowds at wrestling shows that I go to because Granny don't like the heels. I can talk some pretty good smack to the heels when I have to. And maybe Granny can be an honorary Tombstoner member too because everybody loves Granny at wrestling shows. But my question to you is what has been your most challenging match you've ever had to do? My most challenging match. Uh, you know, my first big match I had, uh, I, I got an opportunity to tag with Rhino from the WWE. 
And I'd been wow, no, less, awesome. less than a year. Awesome. And me, and, me and Rhino packed the house. And, uh, you know, I'd got myself in somewhat okay shape. But, I, you know, I didn't start wrestling until I was about 40. And so I really pushed myself to get in, in good shape for that match. I had about <laughs> six months warning. And uh, for me, that was that. There was a lot of pressure on that. It all went great, and and uh, you know, I I loved it, you know. But but yeah, that was probably a little bit tough for me, a little bit of pressure for me. But uh, you guys did win that match, correct? Oh hell yeah, hell yeah, yeah. You can I check it out on YouTube. Uh, type in Tombstone Jesus and Rhino, and it should come right up. So it's a great match. You can see we packed the house. You can see why they call me the king of pop. Well, okay, hmm. what? here's what I'm going to do, Big Swing. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you take over the uh, the more popish part of the show. I'm going to ask a few Beautiful. more questions, and we'll bring the other guys on. And well, uh, remember, really? when our yeah, yeah when our when our when our ten o'clock guest comes in, we're going to have to mute these guys, and if there's time at the end, we'll bring them back. But we got we got we got to keep on doing this. So uh so we have a couple gentlemen uh you know you mentioned uh one you don't think could be your your son because he likes to whine uh but the thing is he's not as whiny as like Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees. Oh, Drew Brees. So you got oh that my god. <laughs> but uh I'll tell you what close, uh, why don't you uh bring the, take those guys off the of mute and uh, we'll uh, kind of let these guys pass it out and talk about their upcoming uh, Who's Your Daddy on a pole match. Oh, boy. Hey, uh, I think the Hawaiian also called, and I have another 626 on, but I'll leave them on uh, for, for the time being. Um, our intern, yo. Yeah, the, the two on hold. All right. So, so I got them, and we are going to bring them on. I'm going to bring Maverick on first, and then you ready? Here it is, Mr. Von Jesus. In our in our our ten o'clock guess is a five one seven number. Five one seven, got it. Okay, well, okay, well guys, so- welcome for those of you just tuning in. My name is Maverick. You are listening to Attitude Era Live with your host, the Icon, the Big Swing, and Granny Hulkster. Mm, beautiful. Bro. All right, so let's let's kind of set this up, and I'll let uh, I'll let Big Swing derail it. So apparently, yeah. uh, out of one club, OBC. By the way, thanks for the autographs, man. Great pictures, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I, you know, and I, I can't get. Well, I'll tell you what. One night, get uh, Tombstone Jesus' pictures. I'll put them both in the computer, and then we can uh, do a DA comparison. But right now, I'm gonna let Big Swing take over this part of the interview and derail the show. And then I'll come back when our, our 10 o'clock guest is to bring it back. So uh, tell us about why this match needs to take place and what brought it on and why. And then basically you can go from there. All right. You know what? Let me, let me, let me paint a picture for you. This is Maverick, by the way. I, I want to I share something personal about myself and Autobahn, <sighs> but just for a quick second, so you guys can get an idea of what this match means. You know, me one day, me and... Autobahn Clutch, we're sitting on the back porch having a couple cold ones, right? And and his mom walks outside, and she has this look on her face like she'd just seen a ghost. Oh, and no. she has a paper yeah. in her hand. 
you know? And I, I sorry, although I know I told you I wouldn't tell this story, but here it is. Anyway, um, she has this paper in her hand, and she looks like she's seen a ghost. She's shocked, and all of a sudden she says, I found it. And we're like, uh, who did you find? You know? And, and she's like, I found your father. And she just drops to her knees and she starts shaking and tears just start streaming down her face. And, and we're like, finally, finally, you know, th- we found this man. And she, and she found him using a private investigator. You think the 50 grand for this match is even going to cover the fi- a private investigator that it cost to find this man? This is what this means. It's Heck not no, it's not, bro. Go ahead, go ahead and tell him, Otto. Tell him it's what pretty simple, to man. My mom dropped to her knees. She was bawling for freaking 15 years. She had nobody. That man left my mother. My last memory of him was when I was about two or three. I gotta calm down. I was about two or three years old, and the last memory of him is that. And then freaking, she drops to her knees, bawling, crying. She hired a PI. You know what a PI is? A private investigator to find that SOB. And it's pretty simple, man. It's like on the 7th, this is all going to be figured out pretty quickly because I'm going to beat my old man's ass. I was listening earlier, and he says, oh, when I was in fourth grade, I beat my dad. So if he could beat my dad, then I could beat his dad. Blah, 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 blah. He sounds like a dumbass, and I don't even like him no more. He owes my mother money. He owes her so much money, it makes me sick. I can't even sleep at night. I have little bags under my eyes because I have to worry about my mother. She's out there working her ass off to support us, and this is what's going on. It just makes me sick. <sighs> so, Tombstone Jesus, I have one question. I have one question, and then Jesus. we'll let uh, Big Swing take over. My question to you is, now, uh, a lot of people on Mori Popes don't admit to their father. The only one to ever admit he was the father was Darth Vader. Are you going to be the next Darth Vader and admit that you were the father? Like I say, if he's got enough of my DNA to beat me, I'll take the test. Until then, he's just a, he, you know, he's be just quiet, somebody trying to, to cash this. in on something. Hey, he's trying to hey, cash Dad. in on my wallet. He's oh. trying to cash in on my name. Yeah, his mother's an angel. And he, I know he his mother, it. but Big I never seen him when he an was angel. two years old. And Maverick, let me tell you something. If I am Otto's father, I'm whooping your ass for being a bad influence <laughs> on my son. And if <laughs> I'm not Otto's father, influence. I'm bad whooping influence. your ass you for think? something to do. You hear what I'm saying? And if you're coming to Salt Lake, let me tell you something else, Maverick. If you're coming to Salt Lake... Well, you picked the wrong name. You should have been 7-Eleven because there's a Maverick on every corner. All right? You're a dime a dozen. Uh, Where we uh, get our gas uh, and our Slurpees. uh, Come on out here. You made my list, son. Let me just lay this out for you, Tombstone. I know that you got this match coming up, and I know that this match means a lot to both of you uh, for various reasons. Hey, he's okay, been so smearing my name everywhere. Shut and up, when yeah, I get done whooping his ass, he's going to pay for it. You know, I'm catching a lot of heat from room. my family, from my wife. That's a lot coming you know, down because issue, of Tombstone. sniveling bullshit. He, here, here's, here's the issue, though, Tombstone. And, and, and I, I, I am all about fairness. I am, I'm a fair person. I, I enjoy doing things the right way and having things be 
100% fair and honest. And that's why we're settling it in the ring. Well, yeah, well, hold on, hold on. The impression that I'm getting is that Maverick is going to somehow get involved in this match and cost you the match and cost you that money somehow, whether he needs to or not. These two seem like a package deal. So, so if both parties that, would be down, I would like to add a stipulation. If you two accusing me want to hash this out and beat the hell out of each other, Maverick should be should be banned from ringside. You know what? That's fine. He is banned from ringside. I'm sorry <laughs> to the promoter, but guess what? I'm going to make the shots on that one. He's banned, but guess what? I got the Royal Hawaiian by my side, and she knows that SOB. She knows that he slept with my mother, and oh my goodness, why do you think I'm bringing the Royal Hawaiian all this way? Because she knows the truth. <sighs> we Let me tell you my something. Stomach. When, when I get done whooping Otto's hey, ass, TJ, one of the first TJ, things I'm going to do is oh. ask him to introduce me to the Royal Hawaiian because I am a huge Glow fan. Oh, he's and I have no smart. idea why she would manage this little son of a – but I'll tell you what. You're, you're not uh, going to be able to ask her much when you're knocked out. Well, here's the thing, though, Maverick. also. You see, in the interest of fairness – now, Otto, we love you. Maverick, you, you know you're coming to Utah, times, right, I really son? enjoy you. Otto, I really enjoy you, but again, to keep it fair, who's, yes, who's to say that the Hawaiian, that the Royal Hawaiian won't get involved in this match and have it in the back of the knee with something or distract him or I something? I can't promise that, dude, but you know, I can't promise be, that. This you know, like, should you be one. Word for it. This should be one on one, and any outside interference results in the disqualification of the person that they are helping. So you know, that I, I like how be you're accusing Otto Von Clutch of not being fair and being a shady character. Like he needs I'm somebody I'm not saying he's help. a shady character. What, what I'm if, just what saying I know how the wrestling the Royal business Hawaiian works. To support him. What if he just needs someone there to I support, support him? I need support right now, Big Swing. That he's going through because his dad was never there for him, so somebody's got to be there. Yeah, well, man. It's if a long the way case, then that's dude, fine. But she's not, she's not allowed to get involved in the match in any capacity other than being a cheerleader. And no, the reason you know why I, like, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Now, now Otto, do, I'm not saying this because I think, now, Otto, I'm not saying this because I think you need the help. I'm saying this because I think that this match will be so emotional and it will be so back and forth because I don't think it's going to be an ass whooping in either direction. I think it is going to be a pretty good match back and forth and, and, and the, may the best man win. However, I don't want there to be a muddy ending to this. I don't want there to be questions afterwards. I don't want there to be tombstones saying, well, I would have beat him, but so-and-so got involved. I don't want Otto to say, oh, well, you know, Otto to have the win, but then have that little asterisk there, well, so-and-so got involved. I want this to be the better man winning an epic match. And if there's any outside interference at all, I think – as much as that's a cool crowd pop and as much as that gets the announcer screaming into the microphone and as much as that's interesting for the fans, I think the two of you are both talented enough to be able to put on a main event epic caliber match with a hell of a storyline without needing somebody to get involved in either direction. And I just don't want to see the legacy of Otto Von Clutch having an asterisk next to it if somebody gets involved to win the match for him. But I don't want to see Tombstone Jesus get screwed by having, you know, Otto Von Clutch stack the deck either. So I would much rather have a one-on-one and just see who really, really is 
the better man here. It, I like how you keep referring me, it you to, to it like it's advice. a storyline. This is real. It is a storyline. This, this is not a storyline. Let me tell this you is what. Real. Time out, time out, time out to everyone, please. 50,000 ass whoopings are going to be real. I'll He's tell you right. that, and all the I heat I'm you. getting from my family's real. And you're going to pay for smearing me all over the place there, little Otto. Um, you know what, man? You know, you got a lot of ass whippings coming. And like I say, if you're my son, hey, bud, you know, we'll make amends, you know. But I, you right. don't need to be telling any more stories about when you was two and three and this and that. Like you the know librarian at Hood Slam. <laughs> if, uh, well, I'll tell you what. If, if you're just tuning in, we got uh, Otto Horn Clutch. We have Maverick. Shanae. We have, uh, we have uh, Tombstone Jesus. We have about nine minutes left here about family, with Family Feud here, if you're just joining in. Uh, and uh, now, survey says, mm. when is this match supposed to take place? <laughs> Come on. Come on, my brother. Icon, I know you're a lot smarter, but we're just doing this because the whole public needs to hear this. I know you already know the answer. It's December 7th. That's right. The beautiful Royal Hawaiian, she said it earlier, at the Gateway in Salt Lake City. And this is not a storyline. This is real because I'm not going to waste my time trying to find – I've been looking for my father for so long, and then my mother did the whole P.I. thing, and I know for a fact that he is my father. I could just look at his face. He looks just like me. I mean, his body size is just like mine. Everything. I mean, basically, we're like walking twins. I mean, I don't even know why we're having a match. The facts are the facts. I'm his son, and he knows it, but no. Look, I'm not going to deny me and the kid got a lot in common. And and I'm not looking to run out on any I'm going to whoop your ass. Okay, but you, son, you're in nowhere near the shape I'm in. Oh, are and you anybody kidding me? out there, anybody <laughs> out there this? knows that. You know, Come on. I'm I'm the oldest guy on the roster, and oh, I'm that's in the much. shape. And that's because I age in badass years. In badass years, I'm 19. That's younger than you, hmm. boy. What are you talking? You know, what? earlier he admits, and you know what? I I hate to say this. I'm not even actually going to go there. Never mind. I'm not even going to go there on the air. Do you want me to go there, Big Swing? Uh, yeah, why not? Okay. To everyone that has alcoholism, the AA, I'm sorry for this, but it's the truth. He admits earlier on the show, yeah, I used to be a drinker, and I hate to even mention this. That should be the freaking key word right there. He slept with my mother when he was probably tossed back, and he doesn't want to admit it. I'm so pissed off right now. I'm thinking just busting a window in my house. Damn it. <gasps> Calm down, Otto. Calm I'm down. sorry, you, brother. You got this. Deep breath, deep breath. This kid <sighs> needs some discipline. You need to get out. So now you're breaking your mom's windows. Hey, you shut oh. up. Oh. I know yeah, you're living in the basement there. Yeah, oh, you say, you're saying he still lives with his mom? <laughs> I'm sure oh, of it. Geez. Listen to him. Look, nothing against Otto's mother is an angel. Okay? I, I never ran out on anybody. Otto's a surprise to me, but some dates do match up. All right? And that's the truth. And if, if he can whoop me, if he can beat me, then let's do it. Let's take this test. Well, it's just so then, simple. So then let's say this. This match, I'm assuming, is going to get kind of bloody. I'm assuming this match is going to um, is going to be intense. It's going to be whatever. 
whoever wins this match, Tombstone, if you win the if, and I'm putting a big capital if on this because I'm really not sure. Tombstone, if you win this match, are you going to embrace him as your son, apologize, pay the money, and you guys are going to be close? And Otto, subsequently, if you win the match, are you then going to try to rekindle things with your father, or, or is, the, is this over? Like, like is this going to have a happy end storyline, or is this just going to continue to build and get intense no matter who wins? I'll let the old man answer that. All right. Come on, you know, old man, we're listening. Like I say, if I end up being Otto's dad, uh, you know, he's got a lot of back-ass whoopings coming. Oh, until he's he can the rest act, home. The rest home is calling you to like, go home, buddy. Until he can act like a, a human being. Oh, shut Instead up. Instead of a whiny, little, entitled, whatever. All I've wow. heard is, me, 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 I need $50,000, wah, 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 you know. You think he'd be wow. like, uh, gee, dad, it's, it's, it's nice to know maybe you're my dad. Um, you know, maybe we <laughs> you could were never go on a fishing trip this. or something. Thank you, Maverick. But no, you all I hear is wham, money, wham, I'm money. Not TJ. You know what? You know what? If, if Otto does win, are you going to pay that 50 to Grant? Are you going to step up and be a man? I'll pay the money if I'm the father. Well, I yeah, think, because, personally, I think that the 50 I, uh, grand... The fifty grand should be in a separate envelope. So you should have the envelope with the DNA results in the match, and you should also have the fifty grand out there. And Otto, are you going to loan uh, me the fifty grand to put in the envelope there, big swing? Sure, no, but you I don't, don't even have thing. money. Because I don't think sick. I need to pull that fifty grand out of the bank until I at least fail the DNA test, and that's pretty much what it's going to be if he's Well, here's the thing now, Otto. Failure. Uh, uh, not, not, not Otto, excuse me, Tombstone. <laughs> if, yeah. if, if Otto wins this match and the DNA test, because whoever wins is whatever. That's that, that's the side story. If it ends now up we're taking the test. That, you, that you are the father, are you going to gladly hand him that 50000 in the ring? And say you're sorry, or, or are you going to basically just throw it at him? <laughs> or are you just going to stiff him and, and just walk out and not... You know, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of mixed emotions going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from the day, and, uh, from the Otto, day I found Otto, out... If I were you, Otto, if I were you, I, I'd take it in cash and not in yes, cash. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I already promised you $1,000 when he, I win. Yeah, he doesn't now, even know where deal. he is, let alone a, what he's going to do. There, there's a thousand dollar payday in it for the icon as well. That's so, right. And now here's the deal, and this is this is true. There's a thousand dollar payday. I'm going to use that money so I can take my fiance on her honeymoon. So Ooh, I bet there she's you beautiful. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's what I'm talking about. Let's hear more Everybody about this. Uh, this dinner that you're doing. Well, I got we, news we, for we, you. There ain't going to be no test. You shut up. So you know, I'm stop cashing those ass. checks before you get them. Oh, I have so much to say Jesus to you right now. Jesus Christ, listen to you people. You guys, you guys, we, <laughs> we, have, to the we have about two minutes left here. Yes, this is awesome. Left. Now, if you guys want to wait on hold, if there's a little time left after we of have course. our next guest, uh, we'll, uh, we can finish it up if you guys want to wait on hold. I'll understand if you don't, but our next guest should be calling in here shortly. we got to go to him, and then if there's time left, we'll come back to you guys. If not, Sounds good. we can hash it out next week. Oh, I love it. We're just going all day long. Let's do it later right, and well, next week because I got you plenty more up, to Dad. say. He's not asking you. He's asking Otto Von Clutch. I'm the star here. Matt is the star here. 
You know, the only reason why you got plenty to say is because you talk so dang slow. It takes you three hours to say it. Thank you, Maverick. Wow. Wow. And, and, uh, okay, I got okay, it. I don't have the other. The other guest hey. is on, so Icon, I'm going to mute everybody here. Yep. We're going to let we're going to let them cool off a little bit. We're going to let them kind of simmer. I believe the Hawaiian is on the line as well, so we'll bring her in uh, at the very end also to sort of uh, be a buffer of this whole thing. But Icon, I do have the other guest down with the five one seven number. So if um, if if all three of them would like to listen to how an interview is conducted without screaming, uh, I can I can bring you uh, bring them on and you can introduce them and go from there. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right, here it is. Stepping out of the green room, ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, we have a man that knows how to escape from the enemy, and he's going to tell us all about it. He is a legend. He is an author. He is our main event, ladies and gentlemen. I give you Bob Roop. Hey. This is Bob. You are listening to Attitude Era Live with the host, the icon, Big Swain, and Granny Hulkster. Hey, you guys, how you doing? Good. Hey, Bob. Uh, we have uh, we have Bob Roop as our guest here. We got uh, well, we got about forty-five minutes here with Bob. We're going to cover a lot of stuff, and uh, we're we're just gonna we're just going to um, uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna wrap as part of this. Uh, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll chat with you here. Uh, so Bob, uh, you uh, you're obviously a, a wrestling legend, and we do appreciate you joining us tonight. So well, thank you. you wrote a book, and uh, there's a lot of interesting things in the book. Uh, I don't know if you want to uh, talk about the book first. Can we ask you some questions, or should we ask you questions and go into talking about the book? How, how, how would you like? Well, let me uh, just uh, give you a slight update on that. The book is still a work in progress. I'm getting very close, but uh, it's it, because it's, a, it's not fiction. It's a real, it's a true story. It's not about my life. It's about a two-week period in my life, two and a half weeks, when I was in Iraq, and uh Saddam Hussein was a wrestling promoter over there, and uh, he was already killing people. He tried to kill me a couple times. Um, I didn't find this out until about three and a half years ago. It happened 40-some years ago, but I didn't find out Saddam was the guy in charge until a few years ago. And uh, so I... uh, But, uh, yeah, it's not... I, I plan to have it out in the next few months. So uh, hopefully when it's uh, released, hopefully uh, you might be able to, if you can, send us a couple autographed copies uh, for some uh, giveaways for for our, our, our my birthday giveaway, which would be really cool. So now you mentioned that uh, you were wrestling for Saddam Hussein. Uh, he was the promoter over there. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question, then we'll, kind of, then we'll kind of go around the room, and then we'll kind of circle back to me. So did... Were you over in Iraq and he he saw you, or he just called you on the phone? How did how did this happen? Well, Adnan Casey, uh, oh Adnan, is Iraqi, and uh, Casey went back to Iraq uh, to see his family, and 
Uh, Saddam uh, was had just started a new government. They took they they in that in those countries, a lot of the Middle Eastern countries, you have new governments that take over by force. They they either blow away the former government or uh, control the military. They're nice. They let the people leave uh, alive, but otherwise they just uh, execute them. Sometimes on live TV, and uh, they take over the government. Uh, Saddam was trying uh, to make the make make the government strong, and uh, he was looking for ways to do it. And he he discovered that Adnan Casey was there, and that Adnan Casey had been very successful as a pro wrestler in the United States. And so he approached uh, Casey with, it was kind of a deal like the Godfather. They make an offer you can't refuse. He made him an offer uh, to stage pro wrestling. They'd never had it before Iraq. And uh, so uh, Casey, I was the third match. The first one was with a guy named George Gordienko, uh, who was one of the top wrestlers in the world in this country. Much. But the second was Andre. Uh, well, he wasn't Andre the Giant yet. Uh, he was going as monster. This was about a year before uh, Vince McMahon Senior uh, gave him the uh, ring name of Andre the Giant. He was a, he was the guy that wrestled before me about a year earlier than I did. Then I was third. The only difference in my match was that uh, Casey beat. Uh, he beat uh, uh, the first two guys, including Andre. They had these two out of three fall matches of 20-minute periods. He beat both of them uh, two straight falls uh, and just smashed them. He just smashed Andre, pinned him twice. And uh, when they brought me over there, I, they, they brought me over there to beat Casey's. Well, I didn't know about Saddam. In fact, I didn't find out about him until 2015. And um, the thing is, Saddam and the government did not know that the wrestling business was a work. They thought it was a shoot, and they were drawing up to 200 to, to a quarter of a million people to the soccer stadium um, in Baghdad. And it was going out on TV all over Iraq and also throughout the Middle East. There were millions of people watching these matches. But, uh, they were estimated over 100 million people watched our match. And, I, of course, I wasn't a big name. I'd only been in the wrestling business a couple of years. But the idea that it was, uh, it, it, became such, it became such a big deal. Uh, they hyped it with everything they had. I mean, the national, the government was actually, it would be like if the United States government was promoting pro wrestling. I mean, like uh, making every, every match like a Super Bowl. And... Uh, so anyway, it, it was a big deal there. But the thing was, the, the, the government wasn't uh, wasn't smart to the idea that it was a, a work. And uh, if we had been caught, uh, I don't know if Casey might have survived, but I wasn't going to. And uh, uh, when I beat Casey, uh, uh, I was I was supposed to leave the country the next day. I only went over there for one match. Uh, when I beat Casey. Uh, Saddam Hussein held me hostage. They wouldn't let me leave the country. And I had to wrestle him again eight days later uh, in order to even leave the country. And even then, uh, they, did a, they tried to murder me after the match. 
by uh, putting me in the midst of a hostile crowd. Uh, there were 200,000 people to match. Uh, they waited till all but the last 10,000 of them were on the road back to Baghdad and took me out there in a truck and put me in the middle of those people and left me there. And I was very, very lucky to get away. I knew how to drive the truck. I was very lucky. It was a military truck. I've been in the service. I knew how to drive it. Otherwise, I'd, uh, I wouldn't be talking to you. So, um, oh, oh, man. So, um, you you did see Saddam Hussein face to face? No, I never saw him. And uh, but I know he was there because Casey. Uh, the way I found out, Casey wrote a book that was published in 2005. and he talks about he, he basically now by this time, Gordyenko and and Andre both passed away. They were both gone. And Casey should have waited until I was dead, too, but he was going to have to wait a while because I'm healthy. Uh, you know, he admitted that Saddam was the uh, was a promoter. And listen to this. This is what Casey says, and I believe it. Before he went in the ring with, with Saddam stopped Casey, not by the ring, but outside the soccer stadium, about, only about 35, 40 feet from the ring. He stopped Casey. Told him this. He said, I'm victorious. The whole country is counting on you and I'm victorious. This guy is big, but he's a wimp. In the slightest way, I'm into his head. And he showed Adnan his 45 caliber pistol that he had himself. I'm going to empty this into his head and send it back to France in a box. Now, that's what Casey writes in his book. And first of all, I don't, I don't see Adnan. Uh, I don't see him making that. And second of all, Saddam Hussein in the text makes everything that happened to me. Because I never, I didn't understand for years. I had uh, and I I didn't know I had it, but I back then it was called shell shock or fatigue, battle shock, battle fatigue. Uh, it, and I mean, it, you don't have to be you don't have to be a war to get it. Back a woman could be uh, uh, assaulted or attacked, and you know PTSD it doesn't have to come from violence. It can be any kind of a very uh, traumatic experience. But mine was because I was in the middle of a, of a thousand people who were ripping a truck to start trying to get out of it. Uh, they ripped apart the guy that was driving the truck. Um, I didn't see it, but I heard it. And uh, the people who ripped him apart came back and were trying to rip me apart, and they had his guy's blood all over him. No oh, there was no other place it could have come from. Well, I got out of there about a second and a half before they got. By the time I got out of there, both I was lucky I had bulletproof glass on the truck. Uh, a guy took three shots at me through the driver's side window. My face was about six inches away from it on the inside of the truck, and I was dodging a guy who was trying to get at me from the through the window and the from the cab. 
of the truck. He he there's a window, a little plastic. I was trying to get there with a knife like that, and I had my back up against the the passenger or the or the driver's side door and I heard this gunshot and I looked over to my right, there was a guy about a foot away. I mean there's a glass right there and the guy's pistol was about oh, I don't know, eight inches inside the window. And uh he'd already fired one bullet and he fired two more while I was looking at him and I but the the they had the truck had bulletproof glass and it was a small pistol. So I saw the three, it made three pock marks on the glass, but it didn't go through it. And but by the time I got the truck out of there, the, the passenger side windshield, even though it was bulletproof, it managed to that. Most of the cameras are on its military. If any of the, if any of your listeners are, I don't know if you, you yourself in the, in the TV series Match, they had those military trucks that had red yep. cross on the side of them. Those were the Correct. kind of yep. trucks. Yep. That was the kind of truck I was in. I've been a, I was a veteran, and I've been in the service by the time, and I, I knew how to drive the truck, so I was able to get out of there. But uh, it, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, pretty scary, and it's taken a while to about it because uh, these memories, when I started bringing them back, uh, made me uh, brought back to trauma. And so I've been curing my own PTSD in, in the process, and now I'm much, you know, I, I'm not saying, it's not like, this isn't, don't, don't feel pitiful me, don't feel sorry for me. There's people who had it much worse who, you know, uh, people who were in Iraq that came back with arms missing or, or you know, crippled or, or uh, dead. Uh, they came back in a box, and it was their family that suffered the trauma. Uh, so it's not it's this isn't a feel sorry for me, uh, you know I survived it, but uh, it was it did affect my life in a very negative way, and uh, the thing is, nobody ever mentioned uh, when they brought me over there it was under false pretenses, nobody ever said it was going to be dangerous. I asked them uh, before I ever went. I, in my Russian career, I traveled a lot. I didn't I didn't stay in one territory very long. I like to travel the world, and uh, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Korea, Europe, uh, England. Uh, I went to all these different places because of why I got the business. So Iraq was just another, another adventure of going to these foreign countries. Uh, I asked them, you know, I asked uh, the English promoter that booked me, I asked him, is it safe over there? He said, oh, yes, they treat us very well. So I was sure they, he met the English. He said, they treat us English very well. They treat you that way, too. Well, he was lying because there was no American embassy there. Uh, there was no English embassy. We didn't have, neither country had relations with them. So there was no place to go. They told me there was no place to go for help. Actually, there was, and it was... Uh, it was American. It was American uh, embassy that, that uh, it's called a it's called an interest section of uh, of American embassy is a, is a small part of another embassy. If there's any Americans or any citizens in a country, United Nations law says that kind of, those citizens have to have some sort of representation, so that even if they if they're 
government doesn't have diplomatic relations, there's still some embassy people there these these uh, foreigners can come to, American to go to the embassy and, and if he's got a problem with passport or he's being prosecuted or whatever, she could go to the embassy and find relief. I found that out by accident, and it was those people that got me out of the country. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I wasn't one of those guys like you see in the movies. I wasn't one of those guys that got uh, carried out on a stretcher, you know, all wrapped up in bandages so you couldn't tell what he looked like. I actually was carrying one of those stretchers. Um, I, was, uh, I had a mask on and a hood and scrubs. And I carried uh, some patients that were being transferred onto a military aircraft, and I carried them on, put the stretcher on the rack, and then uh, adjusted the IV and sat down next to them. And the Iraqi uh, security people that were watching every, everything didn't even, didn't even notice me. Uh, but, but otherwise, I would—I mean, I was on billboards all over the country. I was very recognizable there. They had billboards that were 20 feet high. I was on, on the movies uh, in the day. So I, in order to get out of the country, American the, the intersection did that for me. And I wasn't allowed to talk about it for uh, 45 years. They asked me not to because uh, it was, in a sense, illegal. Uh, but I recognized I stole my passport. So uh, without back, I couldn't leave the country. After they tried to murder me, I didn't think it was a good idea to go back to them and say, hey, now, 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 you, you didn't murder me, so give me my passport. I want to leave. It didn't seem like a good idea. So yeah, anyway. Probably, uh, uh, yeah, yeah pro- probably, probably not a, uh, a good idea. We got uh, Bob Rupp as our guest here. We got about uh, – uh, 43 minutes here left with Bob. Uh, we're going to kind of circle around here, uh, and I, I got I got some more questions about uh, this, uh, but we're going to kind of circle around. Uh, we'll start with Granny. Uh, what do you got for our guest here, Bob Roop? Well, you know, Icon, I'm going to go ahead and let you and Big Swing handle this because, as I said earlier, I'm kind of multitasking and. I'm trying to get these uh, bulletins done so I can get them mailed out in the morning. But he's been an amazing man. And, you know, he sounds so familiar. I believe I was on a podcast with B-Train, and I believe he was B-Train's guest on his podcast here a few months ago, if yes. I'm not mistaken. I know I talked to you, Granny. Uh, yeah. Yes. I, I cleared that up because I thought it was this show because I recognized your I recognized your name I know we talked. Mhm. So, mhm. We did talk. So, so it's good to it's good to talk to you again, sir. And I'm gonna let Big Swing and Icon handle the rest of this interview because Brandy's been kind of multitasking. But I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family and. And happy holidays and everything. And it's really great to hear your voice again, sir, and talk to you again. Well, Granny, thank you very much for remembering that. And uh, I, you know, you too. You have a nice holiday. And please stay with me. We need you. I will. Thank you. Right. Go ahead, uh, uh, Big Queen. All right. Uh, 
uh, Bob Troop is our guest here. We got, uh, oh, we got about uh, uh, 40 minutes here with Bob. Uh, Big Swing, what do you got for our guest, Bob Roop? Well, I was listening to some of the um, some of the story about the Iraq thing, and I mean that's kind of crazy that they they I, I mean they think it's real over there. I, I get it, but the fact is it's kind of like it's kind of like gambling in a way because like you know how sometimes in Vegas or sometimes like with, with sports games people assume things are being fixed. Well, over there, it's almost like it was fixed. Like you had to wrestle a certain way, or you would lose. Or, I mean, or you would be killed. Um, so the, the the establishment knew that it was supposed to be rigged, but the crowd all thought it was real. And I just can't imagine that dynamic. Um, did you, at any point while in the ring and while wrestling, uh, feel unsafe at all, or was it really only with what happened after? Oh, uh, well, to just your point, uh, I'm not totally convinced that Saddam Hussein didn't know to a certainty that it wasn't real, but I do know that uh, George Gordienko was a very accomplished uh, shooter or amateur-style wrestler. He could wrestle style. Casey uh, wrestled in college at Oklahoma State in, in the United States, and so they put, they had a match that was very, you know, realistic. I did the same. Uh, I, you know, was background as an amateur, Casey being an amateur. We went out there. We wrestled for 55, 59 minutes of a 60-minute match. Uh, we went Broadway through the second and third fall. And the first idea was about 19 minutes of the first fall. I penned it. And, uh, but uh, we did a lot of, a lot of amateur. We did suplexes and saw toes, these animals moves as you see in the Olympics. We didn't do any drop kicks. We didn't do any uh, grab the wrist and uh, or the claw hold or any of that. We didn't do any of that. Everything was very, um, had to be believable because those countries had very strong histories with amateur wrestling. And uh, their amateur wrestling was their major sports. They didn't have football, American football or basketball. They had soccer, yeah. they had wrestling, and in, the, in hot countries, they didn't have hockey or any winter sports. So wrestling was a big deal in those countries. And uh, mm. they, they always did. Iran more than Iraq, but Iran always had uh, Olympic champions and World Games champions in wrestling every year. So they knew the, the, the fans there were educated about what amateur wrestling was like, and that's what was risk, that's what's risky business. When he wrestled Andre, Andre was a soccer player. He didn't wrestling. He beat Andre, I think, about four and a half, five minutes in the first fall and four or five minutes in the second fall because he was wow. afraid they were that uh, Andre was going to do something to that they were working, and uh, that was going to be, you know, that was going to be lights out because by the time – uh, by, even by the time Andre hit, went there, went there, I said By the time Andre went there, Saddam had murdered over 100 people already in his own country. I mean, not his mm-hmm. own people. Uh, and established a reign of terror. So he was, you know, I mean, he was dangerous. Uh, Casey made it very plain. Uh, when he went to meet with him, Saddam had a pistol out on the desk, kind of pointed in his direction, and 
you know, he'd say, well, this is what I'd like to do. And, you know, it was, well, it wasn't, it was kind of maybe voices a suggestion, but it wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. And Casey was trapped there for eight years, and he basically had to escape himself. Now, I, I, I might feel sorry for him except for one thing. He was safe. Uh, when he brought me over there to beat him, the reason he did it because he was afraid he was getting to be so popular and such a big star. I'm telling you, he was bigger than the Beatles in Iraq. He was bigger than Michael Jackson, the Beatles, Beyonce, all of them put together. The guy was uh, unbelievably over. And so he was so worried that Saddam was going to see him as a political threat, that some other political party could grab Casey and make Casey their poster boy, and then uh, by that, by doing that, get control of the, all he had to do was get the head of the military, the, the army and the, the uh, Air Force, and get them uh, to go with your party, and you had, you had control of the government, because it was government by gunpoint, and whoever had the military was in control. So he was worried, that, and Casey, he would even mentioned a couple times, they, they showed me an acid bath over there. Uh, they got rid of people by throwing them in this big vat of acid. Well, I think they showed wow. Casey, too. And uh, when I went over there, he was, he, I mean, he looked like a walking cadaver. He was so nervous. And I don't blame him. Uh, I think he was worried about uh, Saddam thinking he was too... Too, uh, too popular and a threat. Saddam was paranoid about everybody. So any possible threat got immediately got eliminated. And you didn't have to. Uh, now, now, they blew away a couple guys. They blew away one of the former presidents, uh, Casey uh, outlined in his book. They did it on national TV. They, they basically disintegrated a guy with machine gun bullets. They shot him about oh, three or 400 times on TV. So that was the kind of play, you know. That was that was in the middle '60s. Uh, we're wow. not, I mean, that's a long. Time. You guys. Yeah, that's crazy. Though. Know, 19th century. So uh, you know, it's a pretty vicious place over there. Well, Saddam was already established as a, as a real cutthroat guy, and he was head of security for all of Iraq. He was the guy who had the power because he had all these security forces that answered to him. Um, and you know the the, the president of Iraq uh, was uh, was a, related by family to Saddam, and um, so you know he Saddam worked behind the scenes. But think about this: now he he did things like he would he would um, if you if you said something if you said something against the president of Iraq, and you overheard by someone and reported to Saddam or one of his agents, you were given a choice of having uh, your tongue cut out on the spot or shot on the spot. Those were your choices. Not by surgery. They used a pair of pliers and a box cutter. They cut your tongue out. Uh, and uh, they tortured children. They did the most horrible thing. I was in a torture chamber. I saw it happen. They did it for my effect. Now, I refused to have a second match over there because Casey almost got me caught killed in the first one, and uh, I, he, he, I thought he had lost. I thought he lost his mind in the ring, and uh, it scared me so bad. I mean, I, I didn't. You, you couldn't see it, but, 
believe me, I mean, I shook for afterwards for, I don't know, an hour or two. But I did want to go back in the ring with it. You know, 200,000 people going crazy. Guns firing, guns being fired everywhere. And Casey going nuts in the ring. Um, I, I didn't, I refused to have a second match. So they kept me there. And uh, uh, my second, my third day of holdout, uh, they lured me. It was kind of, it was a work. But they got me inside a torture chamber. And under the guise of me being in the cell, locked in a cell for my own security, so I was safe and I wouldn't be harmed by anybody, they, they did a body door. They dragged about half a dozen tortured people, including children, with their eyes pulled out and stuff like that, dragged them right in front of me. And they made it pretty clear that this kid, that I had something to do with this kid being there. They, they framed him, but they gave me the impression they had gone to this kid's home. They arrested him. They'd gone to his home, got his parents and his sister, his younger sister, about 10 years old, and brought them all down there. And they had them in another cell right next to mine, this small area. It was just two cells. And the torture chamber was right next door. And they kept dragging these people. They, they dragged a the family into my cell. I was in there by myself. And they, after about, I was there for four hours. It seemed like four months. And during the process, they opened, they, uh, they came out, opened the door, and they brought out a family of four. They were just like the family of four that were in the cell next to mine. And that family of four had been destroyed. Uh, the, the father had gone insane. He lost his mind. Uh, the mother had been violated, I don't know how many times. She was just destroyed. The son had been had his teeth pulled out, his ears burned off, one of his eyes removed, and the daughter had been ravaged so badly it just makes me cry to even think about it. And they put him in a cell with me, and what they what they were letting me know was that the people that were waiting, this young boy that had gotten arrested because he, he didn't do anything, they did it on purpose to, to get to me that they were going to do the same thing to this family that was waiting in the next cell if I didn't, um, if I didn't do something. And they sent, a guy, they sent a guy into the next cell, and he had been in there, and they hadn't tortured him. They threatened to drop his daughter in a vat of acid. But they had, uh, they had dropped some acid. They burned his hand with acid. Even though he agreed to do what they wanted, they burned him anyway. And he passed me a message that they allowed him to buy his way out of, you could buy your way out of jail if you had the money. And they let him buy his way out of jail, and they told him to, like, they let him overhear them say that I could also buy, not me, I wasn't going to, I wasn't in there to be tortured, although they brought the torturer out to ask about me, and he was really hoping he could, but... Um, that I, that I could uh, buy the freedom of this young guy that they had they framed. I already beat the crap out of him. The poor kid might have had a fractured skull. But they were also his, his family. His mother and father and his younger sister were going to be destroyed just like this family that they put in the cell with me if, if, unless I did something. So I agreed to do the second match. And, uh, uh, and they let him go. And uh, but you talk about you, but you talk about vicious, you talk about horribly cruel, nasty people. 
unbelievable. And the fact that the English promoter and Adnan Casey, uh, you know, didn't warn me about any of this stuff. They didn't tell me anything about it. Uh, doesn't sit very well with me. <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you. Would it sit very well with any of you guys, or Granny, or whoever, anybody listening out there? Would it sit very well with you if you were put in a situation like that, and nobody? No, would of course you? not. No, you you go you go absolutely nuts. And and uh, uh, yeah, I was very lucky to get out of there. But uh, you know, those poor people. Some of those people just just heartbreaking. You know, we're our country is our country is in a little bit of trouble right now, but we're still the best country. You know, we're one of the great countries of the world in terms of having freedom, even when we're when we disagree. And I, I saw something the other day where it said like 67 percent of the people in this country are mad about something. It didn't say what, but something. Uh, it's not any one particular party, political. Uh, race, color, creed, but 67% of Americans are mad about something. Well, I don't think we've ever had that much unrest in this country. It's not against the government, but just mad about their lives or, I don't know, situation, maybe it's politics. But that's, that's unfortunate. But you know what? Even so, the fact that we have 67% of people who are allowed to be mad about something, speaks well for this country, because in Iraq, you couldn't be mad about anything, or you couldn't show it. If you said anything, you got your tongue cut out. If you showed anything, not only were you and your whole family destroyed, tortured to death, or next to death, and then thrown into that after that to get rid of you, but they might get your neighbors, they'd get all the rest of your family, your aunts, grandparents, you know, and maybe everybody on your block would go on in the torture chamber. And that's how vicious they were over there. So, you know, uh, we, you know, when, when you hear anybody knocking our country, yeah, we got some warts, you know, like everybody else. But uh, it's just, I've been in a lot of different places, and there's other good countries. England's a good country, and Germany, Germany's a, a, a decent country. And, you know, there's good countries in the world, but we're one of them. And uh, so, you know, don't anybody out there think that, uh, you know, uh, America has been in better shape than it is right now, but um, uh, that's mainly for historical reasons. After World War II, the rest of the world was basically shattered. The United States, because we won the war, the United, I mean, even England was destroyed because it's just a small island country. Well, this country was never attacked, so, you know, our country wasn't destroyed in any way. And our economy was booming, so we were the world power. Uh, Russia was destroyed. We were the world power after World War II in 19, late 1940s, all the way up to about 1975. And then the rest of the world kind of recovered, and we weren't number one in the world anymore. And so look back and say, well, we were a great country once. Well, we're still a great country. It's just the rest of the world has caught up a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, other people have the right to be, to be, uh, you know, to have a decent life and have some goodies and, you know, freedom and that sort of thing. Sorry, guys, you asked me a question. It's dangerous to do with this old guy. <laughs> well, all I can say is, Bob, God definitely watching over you in that time frame that you were there because that had to have been so devastating. 
I mean, to to ha- be, you know, locked up somewhere, being held against your will, basically being forced to do something just to save somebody's life. I mean, you know, God was definitely taking care of you, my friend. Well, thank you, Granny. You're right. I'm terrified, but... I, I, uh, without, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here. I managed to hold up and fight back my fear and stand up to him. Uh, yep. I got one of the, one of the bully boys, uh, one of the guys that set the, one of my security guys that set up this family to be, uh, they were going to destroy this family just like they'd done the other one I told you about. Those other folks, the dad was gone for his mom was gone. They were going to destroy this other family too, just just to make me do something, and to fight to be able to fight back my terror because I was scared to death. I mean, the torture came out and stood right in front of me, and he was you know he was asking when he could when could I be questioned? He didn't say yeah I want to torture him. He said when can I question him? And uh, this this one security guy said well he's protected for now, but. He's insulted our country. Uh, he fouled our great champion in the first match, and he's insulted our country uh, by not agreeing to another match. So, but I don't think he, uh, it, it might, may not, might not be much longer before we can question him, which means torture me, of course. And so, they, you know, they made it real plain. But I, I mean, I'm telling you, my knees are shaking. But I managed to fight back my fear and, and just say, hey, what are you going to do? Start crying? Um, you know, I've been in the service and. I was a paratrooper, and you know, I'd taken some risk in my life, and I think being an amateur wrestler was a big help too. But uh, oh, was I scared? Oh yeah. Anybody wouldn't be without their mind, you know. You'd have to be completely sane if you weren't. But I agree with you, Granny. I think that that um, something was watching over me. Um, I had my spirit was strong enough that I was able to to, to hold up under that kind of pressure. And, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm glad I survived that, you know, I look back now and, you know, it'd be easy to say, well, you had PTSD and all that, you should be mad. So, uh, compared to what I saw happen over there, I'm very, very lucky. But I appreciate your good, your nice comments, Granny. Thank you. Uh, Bob Roop is our guest here. we got about uh, 12 minutes you're, left with you're Bob. You're very welcome. Now, uh, you know, uh, you know, you I, I do appreciate your service to our country. I want to thank you for our service. Uh, you know, both my uh, my my father's brothers uh, served in the Korean conflict. My father served. Uh, uh, he was drafted during Vietnam, and he was also in the uh, the National Air Guard during the first Gulf War. And uh, you know, I myself, as a kid, from my father, learned uh, at a very young age what it means to thank a serviceman for their sacrifices and why we are free today is because Amen. Of, uh, because you know it, it's the saying some all gave some and some gave all and uh anybody that served this country past present and in the future we we respect you we all thank you for your service those that are listening to the show right now and you know to me, uh, when I go to Memorial Day service with my father, to me, Memorial Day service is not another day at the lake. It's a way to thank our servicemen that have 
given the ultimate sacrifice to keep us free. That's right. That's right. And I thank you for your service as well, sir. I mean, my brother was in the military for 20-plus years, and um, he was in the Army. And so, and he was at, he dealt in the explosives department all the time. And that was a dangerous, dangerous job for him. Well, yeah, those are nice comments. My brother at Arlington, he was an Army officer, and my uncle uh, was an Air Force officer. His ashes are interred also at Arlington National Cemetery. And, uh, uh, yeah, I've been to, I've I've had the the good to be able to visit a few times to try to show my, pay my respects to not just my forebears, but all the people who, uh, are interred there, and uh, you know, it's, the thing is, guys, uh, you have the great sentiments, but and 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 I know you're sincere. One of the problems is it's so easy to forget if there's not some conflict going on that we're actually threatened. Like after 911, uh, you know, it's been so long, almost two decades. Um, after 911 in Afghanistan and the uh, you know, our military guys were doing a lot of, uh, they were in the forefront again, and they had status. But after seven or eight years of, 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 of war or, or at least conflict in both those countries, uh, we kind of take it for granted, you know, that our guys are over there and women, not just guys, but our, our gals too, are over there in harm's way. And um, I'm, I'm trying set up a deal to the, uh, to the uh, I don't know if I, 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 I'm trying to figure out, anybody out there who can figure out a way to help me do this, please do so. Uh, I'm looking at through maybe the VFW, but I'd like to donate, uh, I'm going to, my book is going to be an e-book. I'd like to donate the these uh, to uh, PTSD uh, for the treatment of PTSD. Uh, it doesn't have to be for, for people. I came back from Afghanistan. So did a lot of military folks, men and women. They came back. But it doesn't have to be just Iraq. It can be from any anywhere. But a lot of our PT, PTSD uh, military folks get in no treatment. One of the reasons why is they, are, they don't seek it. But another reason why is because even when they do get help, they're denied because um, they're, they're underfunded. The Veterans Department is, is underfunded and it's expensive. The treatment for PTSD is psychological counseling and, and it's expensive. So um, if they can find, they look for outs. I've talked to experts in the field about this. Um, they look for outs. If they can find any former traumatic experience in a person's life, like even when they were like 10 years old, they had a broken leg, they had something happen that was traumatic, what they'll say is, well, you had a pre-existing condition. So the fact that your, brother, your buddy's brains were blown all over your face and, uh, in Iraq doesn't, uh, or in Afghanistan, uh, well, yeah, I'm sure that was traumatic, but you already had it, so uh, you denied treatment. Well, that's not right. Uh, you know, if you, you come back with an arm and, you know, you come back a, 
you know, with laziness and you obviously get treatment because, you know, it's very obvious. Well, PTSD, you can't see it. And uh, the suicide rate, when I started writing this book, you're not going to believe this, but I'm telling you, it was 22 veterans every day were killing themselves. 22 every day. Well, it's down to 20 every day are killing themselves. And about every one of them is from, is from the psycho-emotional, psychological, emotional trauma of PTSD in just about every case. You know, uh, the idea that probably none of you are even aware of that and that probably 99% of our audience, your audience, is not aware of that, that's a disgrace. That's a disgrace to this country. I talked about this being a great country. However, we're only as good as our leaders. And I'm not talking about anybody in particular or any party or anything else. This is apolitical. Our, our government should be taking better care of our veterans. But who else is going to do it? And uh, it's, our, it's our government that gets our veterans in these wars. And then when they are wounded, and even the invisible wounds of PTSD, and they come back, so, uh, well, uh, what have you done for us lately? Uh, and so it's, uh, it's, it's a stain on, our, on the fabric that makes up our national character. It really is a stain. And I'm going to try to bring some attention to it with what I've got some other books planned. Uh, but uh, this first one, because it, it, it's kind of a special, I mean, it's a one-in-a-lifetime kind of type story, uh, true story. But uh, I think I thank you all for the good work you're doing with uh, uh, just what you said a few minutes ago about our vets and standing uh, uh, up for them, because a lot of them... I'm sorry, the ones who are seriously, I'll, I'll shut out here in just a second. The ones who are seriously wounded don't know how to help themselves. They can help themselves. So somebody else, we have to do it. And I'll do what I can. If I can help even just one person, I'll be, I'll be happy. Uh, Bob, uh, I got a favor to ask you. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're still writing the book. It's uh, due to be coming out in a couple, a uh, couple months. What is the name of the book going to be called? And my my favor to you is I want to ask you a favor. When it does come out, would you be willing to send? I I I'd be willing to send money if I have to. Would you be willing to send an autographed copy of the book that I can give to my father? Of course, I'd be happy to. Okay. Um, no, you don't have to pay for it. You guys are doing good work. Uh, the, the title of the book is called Wrestling for Saddam, and the subtitle is Satan in the Shadows. I don't have my cheese in it. Satan in the Shadows. Uh, and earlier, about a half hour, 45 minutes ago, you asked me if I ever saw it. I was asked if I ever saw Saddam. I didn't. That's what it means. He's the Satan in the shadows. Because everything that happened to me, all those death attempts and all that, know where he was. I knew where he was. There's no way he could. The governor of Baghdad sat out at ringside, and the sheik of there, the Arabic sheiks all over the 
uh, Middle East game and sat at these matches. I mean, it was big time, big, big deal. And uh, but the, Saddam was never out there because it was too dangerous for him. Uh, about uh, thousand people in the stadium. About five thousand of them were armed. Uh, when when she went off, so uh, I was going to sit out there with his back to. There were people standing right behind him. He had to torture that morning. He wasn't going to sit out there with his back to him. So uh, he never. He was proud. His representative, the governor of Baghdad, was his father-in-law and his uncle. So the governor was representing Saddam out there. Uh, and, you know, he was a big wig. He was a very important. But, uh, yeah, I'd be glad to send the book. All right. Uh, Bob Group is our guest here. We've got about uh, eight minutes left here. Uh, you know, I'm kind of curious also. You know, you mentioned – that, uh, you know, you being in the military, and we already, uh, you know, we established that. And uh, once again, I do thank you for your service uh, from the bottom of my heart. And I am going to call you after the after the show here because I want to ask you a few other things off air. But, uh, you know, you mentioned that uh, you got into uh, a Jeep to escape. Now, uh, it's obviously uh, – now, uh, it's not a facetious question. It's obviously a stick shift, obviously. But when you got – uh, when you commandeered this jeep, where did where did you head? How did you know where to go, or what did you do? Where did you go? Well, it was it wasn't a jeep. It was a military truck, a three quarter ton truck. Like I said in Nash, now Nash they had the jeeps, but the three quarter ton truck was like the military ambulance. Had the big red cross uh, circle with on the side. It's called a three-quarter ton, like three-fourths of a ton, 1,500-pound uh, truck. And uh, it had a, in the back, it had a big canvas-covered back. In the back, you had, uh, you could put in up to four stretchers, but when you carried troops, you could carry up to six to eight guys on each side, and maybe half a dozen sitting on the floor. You carry up to maybe 18 people in the back of it. Uh, and you carry them into battle or to and from uh, combat zones or wherever. Uh, so they were, um, you know, and they had puncture-proof puncture tires. You could blow the tires up with a machine gun, and they still stay partially inflated. Uh, the way they had them, they had these very thick uh, kind of inner tubes. And, um, well, well the, the road, the, the soccer and Baghdad that was about four lanes wide, big cobblestones. It wasn't, it didn't have any marks. It didn't have lanes. It was just this big wide road. And these people were walking back to the walking back to Baghdad on this road. All you had to do was go off the road. You'd be away from the fans because they went out walking in the. It wasn't desert. It wasn't like thick sand, but it was. It was hot. And the road was, you know, was easier to walk on. And, you know, I, I think there's about thousand people walked back to Baghdad. It was about away from the stadium, and all of them were on that road. I didn't see one person out there on the on the on the plane, you know, the unpaved earth or dirt. Well, all you had to do was go off that road, and you would, you know, you were out to the open area. That's what I did. I just, I. Uh, I took when I took command of the. What happened is the guy that 
the security I had with me uh, uh, took off. Uh, they they stopped the truck with I I can't go into too much detail. They they stopped the truck with these great big cobblestones, and uh, and then they took off. They said, "Well, stay here. We're going to go get help. We're going to go back to the same help." And they left me. Well, the only way to get out of there was uh, uh, Isaac Clacker. It, what had happened is the guy who was driving it had flooded the truck. And so he, when he couldn't get it started, he panicked and he took off. And uh, they wanted to get rid of him, too. And he was the one that got ripped apart. I didn't see it, but I heard it. I was busy trying to get the truck started. And what I did, as soon as I got it started, I uh, had people all uh, cut through the roof. They were pounding, you know, uh, figure some way to try to get try have. What I did is I popped the clutch a couple of times to try to shake some people loose, and then I took. I was hawking the horn, didn't want to run over anybody, but I was going to push them out of the way. And uh, uh, once I got over the curb, uh, I did run over. I did run over the guy that I ran into. Well, these guys were launching these big cobblestones at the truck with the, they were using carpets, these Persian carpets. These cobblestones weighed about 40. And uh, they were lobbing them over the head of the people who were lining the road. Uh, they were lobbing them at the truck. Well, when I headed through the people and they said there were 40 guys at one corner of this carpet were getting ready to launch another rock. And I I didn't try to run over because I could see myself back in that jail cell, and now I'm going to be tortured because I ran over four Iraqi military guys. So I tried not to run over anybody. I did hit this one guy. I knocked him up over the top of the cab, and uh, he landed upside down. There was a, the, the, the rock that they threw. Uh, when they saw me, they, they launched the rock and were just trying to get out of the way. And it went up in the air, and it came down right in the middle of the canvas in the back. It made a big hole in the canvas and went right through it and for the back. Well, the guy I hit, he had just launched this rock about five seconds before I hit him. I, 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 I hit him because if, otherwise I was going to run over the other three. And the, he got hit by the right, right front light, and he, it flipped him up over the top. Upside down, he went in that made in the top of the uh, that he threw about five seconds before he went. He was upside down in that hole, knocked out. He 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 busted his head open, broke his leg when it hit him. But later, when I got away and I uh, to make sure there was nobody around, there weren't any guys back there. One guy I told you had been back there trying waving a knife around, trying to stab me. From the back, uh, once I made sure I got everybody out there, this guy was still hanging there upside down. He was knocked out. Well, he was hung up by a gun on the holster. And once I pulled the gun out of his holster, he slid down to the hole. And I pulled him out and carried him over to some palm trees and left him up against the palm trees because I didn't want him after me for kidnapping or, or you know, if I ran off, it's one thing to run off with the but to run off with the with the you know the other guys and 
if I killed anybody, uh, they had a, then they had a reason to, to put me in jail and, you know, and disappear me. So uh, I left in there, and but uh, I count. We got five uh, yeah. left. All right. Well, uh, Bob, we got about uh, five minutes here left. Uh, uh, real quick here, uh, so we can do this. If our fans wanted to check you out and uh, get the book when it comes out, uh, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, you got a YouTube, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitch, you got a GoFundMe. What do you got? Well, I've got I'm I've been on Facebook, but I uh, I'll probably try to expand all that. But my this my friend, I have a friend who's advising me. He said that all anybody would need to to get the book would just to be type into Google Bob Roop my name, and it would take them to the book uh, on Amazon. And uh, I'm going to make it an e-book on Amazon. And, you know, if some if some uh, publisher uh, was interested in, you know, putting out hard copies of it, I'd be willing to listen to them. I think there might be some interest. Uh, I've never heard of I've read, I've read uh, all the biographies and, you know, interesting stories, but – I've never heard of anything like this because nobody's ever had anything like this happen to them, and uh, or at least that wrote about it. And there's another dynamic involved is being that I'm writing it myself. Um, you know, it wasn't I've, I've been retired from wrestling for 30 years, and I became a teacher, and I I knew how to write a little bit before I even did that. But you know, I had to train myself to be a writer. But I mean, I'm not great. I didn't want to get a ghostwriter. I thought I should story because it's so, it's so personal. Uh, there's no way that another person feel what I feel, what I felt when I saw these people, uh, some of the horrible things that happened to them and the things that scared me to death. It's hard to get someone else to be able to capture that the level of emotional uh, terror and and, uh, and that joy given away. Uh, that, that you can express yourself if you you're willing to learn how to do it. Uh, yeah, I I'll make sure that uh, I'll make sure that know how to find. I mean, it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, it's not going to be one. Of, it's an endurance story, and uh, I think Amazon will help promote it too. Uh, I'm pretty sure I haven't contacted them yet, but I'm pretty sure they're uh, appealing and. Uh, there's a way if you if you're willing to give Amazon cut them out uh, a higher percentage of the uh, revenue, they will they will guarantee that it's promoted in, in foreign countries too. So I'm I'm, I'm going to do that because they'll take care of the translation and all that other stuff. So well, um, we got about uh, we got about uh, three minutes left here, Bob. I'll tell you, uh, I do want to thank you for taking time. Uh, to your schedule to join us, and uh, there's so much more to cover. Uh, and uh, when uh, you know when the book is ready to be released, uh, hopefully you'd be willing to come back on with us so we can uh, chat with you again. And because uh, I have more questions that I want to talk to you about, so if you'd be willing to do that, we'd be grateful, sir. What are you talking about? You'd be grateful, man. That's the nicest thing you could do for me. Think about it. I'm trying to, you know, I'd, I'd like to make bucks for, uh, for my children and my children. Uh, uh, you know, but uh, the fact that you would do that, publicizing it, let me talk about it. Again. 
Um, now I'd be happy to you talk about that. Well, I most people have to pay for that. She would uh, do that. It would be very nice, and I'd be honored, I'd be honored if you wanted me to do that with you. Well, I will. Uh, I will definitely stay in contact with you. Like I say, I'll call you after the after the show is here. But I'll tell you what, sir, you've been on. Uh, you've been awesome, and uh, I, I have tears in my eyes thinking about what you went through and thinking about all the stuff that uh, uh, in the military that my father's told me about and him serving his country and my uncle and everything. It, it all comes full circle. And uh, uh, you have my heart, sir, and I love you. And I know I'm going to have my father listen to this. And when he does listen to this, Dad, you know I love you and everything. So I'm getting emotional. I'm getting choked up here. But I do appreciate it, sir, and you you are you are the best. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thank, Thank you, Barry. you. So, talking to all of you. Nice. And we will talk to him soon. Uh when we come back on the air next week, the question, who's your daddy? Well, we might know the answer. We might not. We'll see. Anyway, Attitude Air Live, we'll see ya. Dead man walking. Yeah.